0: All right, all right, okay, okay, what's up, everybody, it's LJ Talks Facts right here, you're gonna spend some facts, like always, of course, it's a very cold day, very cold Friday here in the Bronx right here, it's very cloudy, but it's gonna rain, like, in a little while, it's very cold, I'm pretty chilly, but I'm still gonna do my episode here outside, you know, I got out for a little while, it's nice, it is what it is, nice to get out a little bit, um, this is my AEW, this is my AEW New Year Smash Night 2 review, It was a really good show to be honest. I really enjoyed it. You know, there was one part in the show that I couldn't stand at all. I don't know if you guys may know what it is, but it was god awful. And please don't ever do it again. For God's sakes. (laughs) Yeah, it it was just, it was horrible that one part in the show. It really was. So like when we get to that, you guys will know. But the first match of the night to start off the show was Pack versus Eddie Kingston. You know, they showed a nice video package of Pack and Eddie Kingston. And it was really cool how they did the video package. They did an amazing video package for Darby Allen and Brian Cage later on. Like it was beautiful. Um But yeah, they showed a nice video package. It was a nice video package of Pack and Eddie Kingston. And the match itself I thought was good. It was another great opener. AEW's continues to deliver amazing openers. That's what they do. But the video package was good. Packing, you know, Eddie Kingston put on a grueling matchup. It was hard hitting. It really was. It was a hard-hitting matchup. It was a hard-hitting matchup is what it was. It was bru- it was brutal. It really, really was. That's the kind of match I like to see right there. You know they were chopping each other. You know, there was some stiff shots in that match. Like this is one of the best Eddie Kingston matches I've seen right here. It's one of his best matches in AEW. You know, Pac looks amazing for a guy his size. He's fucking ripped as fuck. You know, his character I love. You know, I love how in the video package he was like, "Who the?" I think he was saying like, uh, "Who the fuck were you winking at?" I knew we were getting that, that. but he did say like, he did say, he did say say, fuck, but they bleeped it out obviously. But it was pretty cool. Um, But yeah, like I said, it was a great build to this match. They've been building up for a while. It's great we got to see it was on free TV right here, so it was great. They put on a really good matchup. You know, we saw like uh, the bunny, you know, Allie, and of course Butcher of the Blade trying to get involved, you know, that's what they that's what the heels are gonna do. Well Pac, you know, is he really a heel? He's in between. He enters from like the heel entrance. So is he really a good guy or is he like in between? He's like is he like a tweener? Where he's like he's kind of a heel and he's kind of faced sometimes. You know, I mean his character should by all means not even be a babyface. Like, he could be a face that, you know, kind of has, like, an attitude and shit like that, but never, like, a true baby face like his Neville character back in uh, The Other Company. You know what I mean? Like, never like that. Hell no. Just have him be a ruthless fucking bastard throughout his whole AEW career. Like, please. But, like I said, Eddie Kingston put on a great match, you know, put on a great performance. Like, he was hitting some pretty, you know, hard-hitting shots in this match. And then Pac, you know, at the end right there, hitting the black arrow. Hitting Eddie Kingston 1-2-3. I really thought Eddie Kingston was going to win this match. But, you know, AEW's really high on Pac because he's beaten Kenny Omega. He did that all out two years ago, in August two years ago. So they're very high on him. They really are. You know Pac's going to be a huge star in AEW. You know they're high on him. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm trying to say right there. Like, people are, you know, thinking that Pac's not really going to do much in AEW. He's going to do a lot in AEW. He really is. You've got to give people time. You can't just make a guy world champion like in the snap of a finger. It takes time. He's got to get more over with the people. We know Pac is over as a heel, obviously. But after the match right there, he put Eddie Kingston the brutalizer, making him tap out right there. And then we saw the Butcher on the Blade get in the ring. The Lucha brothers came in the ring to help out Pac. And then here came Lance Archer, and he chased off the Butcher on the Blade. And Kingston eventually left too. And then archer was getting in pack's face and i'm like oh i would love to see that match right there you know it's a big you know height advantage right there like archer obviously has the height advantage on pack but it would be a decent match you know i think maybe they're gonna save that for revolution that would be nice maybe they're gonna do it at beach break in a couple weeks and maybe they'll do a triple threat at revolution between pack kingston and archer maybe with a number one contenders spot on the line something like that they'll do make it even more special maybe they'll do something like that, I, I don't know we'll see but no, it was a great match and I'm very intrigued to see what they do with Archer and Pac, you know, like, Archer's basically saying to Pac, like, you know, make sure you stay on the same side right here, you know like basically saying, like, don't cross the line with me you know, you did whatever with Eddie Kingston, but with me, it's a whole different story <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be a bad match though between Archer and, and Pac, I'm all for it so we'll see what happens there Uh, We get to our next match right here. You know, I didn't think it was going to be... This match was okay, in my opinion. I expected it to be terrible, but it actually was okay. It was uh, Chuck Taylor versus uh, the best man, Miro. And if Chuck Taylor loses, he's got to be, you know, Miro's butler for the next couple weeks until Beach Break, until after the the wedding at Beach Break with um, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Um, yeah. So I thought this match was going to be terrible. I thought it was going to be like a squash where it's not even going to matter. I got to be honest, though. Chuck Taylor impressed me in this match a little bit. It was a pretty short match. We know that for a fact. It was a short match. It wasn't a long match at all. But Chuck Taylor put on a decent match right here. You know, he really got his shit in on Miro. Miro really put him over. He made him look good. You know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big fan of Chuck Taylor. It's just, he doesn't impress me. I mean, he did great in the parking lot, bro, with him and Trent Santana Ortiz. They all looked great in that match. That was awesome. But, um, yeah, overall, though, I just, I'm just i not a big fan. Like, when he talks, he just makes me cringe when he talks. His wrestling style is eh. He does some cool shit, but other than that, i just not a big fan of him. But Miro really let, really let him get his shit in. But everybody's going to say, oh, Miro's buried, Miro's buried. Listen, let me tell you, to all the people that are saying Miro is buried, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean he's buried? What do you want AEW to do? You want, you want them to put the AEW world title on him right now? For what? It does not make sense. You've got to build him up more. He's not Rusev anymore. He's Miro. He's a different character. He's a whole different type of character. You can't just throw a belt on him right away. It took a while when he was Rusev to win the United States title. He made his debut in what? He, or actually, he made his debut in the Royal Rumble. But then he officially made his main roster debut on Monday Night Raw. I think it was the Raw after WrestleMania, I believe, after WrestleMania 30. And then he didn't win the United States title until November. It took a few months. It takes time. Stop saying Miro buried or they're not treating him right in AEW. What the fuck do you want them to do? Give him all the belts? What, 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 like you gotta build him up. Give him some time. There's other people on the roster. Not everybody can be world champion. It's a shame. But you know, you people just fucking turn on him right away. Like you love Miro, and I say, oh, now he's gonna, now he's getting buried. Like oh my fucking god. He put on a good performance. You're supposed to put your opponent over. Even if you're winning, you're supposed to put your opponent over a little bit, and let him get his shit in. So it's pretty cool. He put Chuck Taylor over a little bit, which was good. But then after he was done messing around with him, Miro got his shit in. He destroyed Chuck Taylor after that. And we know he Kip saving get involved and attacked Orange Cassidy. So that, you know, that got Chuck Taylor distracted, and Miro just took advantage right, right there. You know, you smell blood. That's what's gonna happen. And he was able to beat Chuck Taylor. So now for the next couple of weeks until after the wedding at Beach Break, Chuck Taylor is, he's Miro's servant for the next two weeks. Or well, like I said, well, Beach Break's in three weeks. So yeah, basically three weeks, he's, he's going to be a servant. So I'm like, all right, we'll see what they do now. We might, we might see some cringy segments, but I could be wrong. Like, I thought this match was going to be god-awful, but it wasn't. Miro really put him over. But I, I know what they're setting up for. They want to do Miro versus Orange Cassidy at Revolution. And I'm all for that. But like I said, if that match does happen, if it does happen, Miro has to destroy Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy cannot get any shit in that match. Even if he tries to go for, like, you know, the, the kicks right there, you know, where he puts his hand in his pocket and he kicks you, you know, barely kicks you, you know what I mean? And I, I love Orange Cassidy, but he would have to get destroyed in this match. Miro would have to run right through him. Just destroy him. But make it a two-minute match. Like, Cassidy's going to play around with him, and Miro's just like, nope, I'm not playing any games. And he just destroys him. Especially when he puts him, like, in the accolade. Like, he should do what he did to, like, Kalisto back at Extreme Rules 2016. Like, bend him back. Like, do that right there. That's how you really get the tap out. Just do that. But destroy him. If that's how they're going to do it right there, if that's going to be the match for Revolution... Miro should absolutely destroy him. That's how I book it. Orange Cassidy gets no shit in. But you could say, oh, but he beat Chris Jericho twice. He's got to get his shit in, like, you know. But no, Miro, you want to build up as a fucking monster. He's got to go through Orange Cassidy. He cannot let Orange Cassidy get anything in. He just can't. Miro would have to run right through him. That's what I would do. But we'll see. All right, so next we saw the Inner Circle come out. And Chris Jericho said he believes 2021 will be the year that he and MJF will win the AEW Tag Team titles. I wouldn't mind seeing them get a shot at the AEW World Tag Team titles. Maybe they would win. That would be something. I wouldn't mind seeing Jericho and MJF going after the Tag Team titles, to be honest. I wouldn't mind seeing that. That would be pretty cool. But, you know, Santana says he and Ortiz should be that team because, you know, you know, Chris Jericho, you know, you know, Ortiz, Santana and Ortiz be the team in the inner circle and then Sammy Sammy Guevara is saying that Jericho is a tag team slut and he teams with everyone like you know Jericho's team with Guevara when they were the like sex guys he's team with Hager and now he's team with MJF and Sammy Guevara is like you know you were dapping up with Snoop Dogg last week what are you going to team up with him and Jericho's like maybe <laughs> this is a pretty good comedy segment right here it really was like the inner circle is just straight up comedy and I love it it's just great You know, and Jericho proposed a triple threat. He proposed a triple threat match between the Inner Circle members next week with the winners being the official tag team of the Inner Circle. So it will be Chris Jericho and MJF versus Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager versus Santana and Ortiz. So I'm looking forward to this match right here. I mean, reality, I would want Santana and Ortiz to win. Actually, no. Well, expectation... You would expect Santana Ortiz to win because they really are the legit team, legit tag team in the inner circle. But in reality, I think it's going to be Jericho and MJF. And it builds up more like MJF possibly like turning on the inner circle, something like that, you know. We all know Guevara is going to leave the inner circle. He's going to get kicked out. Something's going to go down. It's like they're waiting. Like they're waiting for the right spot. You can't can't rush things, you know. They're really building up like Guevara is, you know, like getting upset and everything because, you know, you can just see it's going to happen. I feel like the, with the enough of a revolution, it's going to be Guevara and Jericho. That's what I believe it's going to be. You know, because 2021 is going to be Guevara's year. It's really going to be. You know, he's going to have a huge babyface career. He really is. He's going to be great as a babyface. Well, this was nice. Now, we go backstage. It was really nice with uh, the Dark Order. So, Evil Uno says Dark Order will do everything in the name of Brody Lee from now on. And Uno says they have to become better people. And they will start next week when they team up with their friend, Hangman Adam Page. And, you know, John Silver, like Alex Reynolds, were asking, Hangman hey, Adam Page, like, when are you going to join the Dark Order? And Page said he will give them his decision after that match next week. So I'm like, all right. So it looks like the Dark Order is officially, you know, they're good now, which is nice. So at least, that, at least, that, at least that's cool. You know, and I, I still miss Brody. I still can't believe that he's gone. I legit still can't believe that he's gone. It's still shocking right now. I still want somebody to come out and say, no, it's not real. But it's not. It's like, I still don't want to believe that it's real. I still want to believe that he's still around, but he's not. It really bothers me. It really does. It truly does. All right. So the next match right here was the Elite right here. Kenny Omega and you would think the Young Bucks versus... Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, and Danny Limelight. I actually never heard of him. This is actually the first time I got to see him wrestle in AEW because I don't watch AEW Dark. So you would think it would be Kenny versus these three guys. Nope. Nope, no, nope. You would think that would be the AEW World Champion, Kenny Omega versus these guys. Don Callis did say World Tag Team Champions, but not the Young Bucks, it's the Good Brothers. Paul Anderson and Doc Gallows, baby. This was something right here. I was pretty surprised. And, you know, they showed the reaction. Of the Unbucks backstage next to Tony Khan and Dasha. And, they, you know, the Unbucks were shaking their heads. They couldn't believe it. Even Tony Khan was kind of shocked. So I was like, okay. Like, here we go. There's more tension. Now there's tension in the elite. We thought they were united. It doesn't look like it's going to be that way now. At first, we thought it was going to be. Maybe the Unbucks are not going to be heels. But we'll see so we see the good brothers come out and this match i didn't expect it to go on that long it was a pretty good match you know danny limelight first time seeing him wrestle he put on a pretty good match right here he was doing some cool shit like walking on the ropes and everything i was like that was pretty cool like i never seen him wrestle at all so this was new this was new to me and nice to see right here i was like okay cool it was great to see doc Gallows and call Anderson. i haven't seen them wrestle in a while ever since they were In WWE, because I don't watch TNA or Impact Wrestling. Excuse me, I don't watch that. So, it was good to see them wrestle. They put on a decent match. They did good. You know, I feel like Brian Pillman Jr. got some good shit in. I know they're actually doing an episode about his father on Dark Side of the Ring. And Stone Cold's actually going to be in it. So, that's going to be something to watch. And I love Dark Side of the Ring. And Season 3 is going to be... It's actually going to be longer. It's going to be 14 episodes. I'm like, whew, we got a long season. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be great. Especially the episode about you know uh, Brian Pillman's father. And that's going to be something. I'm sure he's going to be in it too, Brian Pillman Jr. Talk about To talk about his dad. And we know his father, wherever he is, he's proud of his son. We know that for a fact. But this six-man tag was really good right here. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers got the win over Pillman, Garrison, and Limelight. It was a really good match, to be honest. It really was a good six-man tag team match. I enjoyed it. And it was a good win right there. But then after the match, here came John Moxley, the former AEW World Champion. He came out, he went straight, like straight after Omega and the Good Brothers, went right after them. And this was kind of weird. We saw the Lucha Bros come out and save Moxley. So I'm like, okay, so the Lucha Bros are coming out, which is kind of weird. I was pretty surprised. I thought maybe the Young Bucks would come out and defend Moxley. Like that would be that would be pretty cool, but no. And then we saw the Young Bucks finally come out and they try to calm down Moxley. The Lucha Bros hit them with super kicks. So I was like, so is Moxley like united with the Lucha Bros? Maybe he joins. Maybe he joins Pack and the Lucha Bros it won't be that triangle. If it's something else, maybe he does that. Maybe. Maybe, I I don't know, maybe he builds like a, maybe like an alliance with them for like a couple weeks, something like that, I don't know, maybe he just like does that, like a mutual like alliance. We'll see. I'm I'm kind of like confused a little bit, like I'm a little bit confused in what happened there, but it you know, just seemed like the Lucha Bros come out, I was just kind of confused, that was just really it, but other than that, I was like, alright, well this is, you know, building up more right here, it's pretty cool. So we'll just see, you know, what it leads up to. You know, like I said, this Impact AEW Invasion storyline is really cool, to be honest. It's it's pretty much better than the fucking WCW WWE fucking Invasion. You know, that was just plain awful. It really was. It was fucking stupid. But this has been pretty cool. So now here was the worst part of the show. This was a dumpster fire, and usually... I don't say anything bad about AEW, but this was one of the worst things that they've done. So they did the waiting room with uh, DMD, Doctor Britt Baker, and Rebel was there. Reba, whatever the fuck we call her now, or whatever the fuck, just like who cares. So their special guest was their special guest was Cody Rhodes on this show. And at first, I mean, it was kind of it was funny at first. Like Britt Baker and Rebel were cutting some nice jokes, and it was pretty funny. I'm like, all right, this segment's pretty funny so far. I like it. Here came Cody. You know, he didn't say anything. Like, you know, he wasn't able like, to say anything at all because Britt Baker cut him off and said, oh, we have another special guest. And here came Jade Cargill. Oh, my God. This segment was just so bad. She made it so bad, Jade Cargill. Like, she is green as fuck. She, look, she is green as fuck. She looks. She's built like a fucking ostrich. Like, she doesn't look like she knows what the fuck she's doing. Like, she's forgetting her fucking lines and her promos. Like, oh my god. Like, she can't cut a promo for shit. Like, she's talking about, like, her and Shaq are waiting. I'm like, so they're still doing the thing with Shaq? Like, I'm kind of confused. Like, are they still doing that? Like, what are, what are we doing here? And, you know, like, I mean, I want to see Jake Carl Gill wrestle. I don't like her, obviously. Her promo sucks. She can't speak. Never seen her wrestle. So we'll have to wait and see. But, like... She was saying when Brandy Rhodes comes back, like she got like in Cody's ear and said, "I'm gonna beat like I'm gonna," and she paused. Beat that ass! I'm like, you really did you forget your line or something? You stupid idiot! Did you really forget your line? Like, oh my god, that was just bad. That was bad. She is not good so far. Hell no, her promos are terrible. She's green. Never seen her wrestle. Like we'll see when she does wrestle. And then she slapped Cody. And there came Red Velvet, who I like. She's decent in the ring. I haven't heard her speak at all. And then her and Jade Cargo slapped each other around. And they started fighting. And then Cody called all the women wrestlers to break it up. And I'm just like, what the fuck was this segment? It was so terrible. It was so bad. It was bad. This was like fucking the Nightmare Collective bad. That's the one worst thing. That's probably the worst thing AEW has done. But, you know, that's what's going to happen. They're going to do bad things here and there, AEW. Not everything's going to be 10 out of 10 perfect. You know, even on a really good show, this was the worst part of the show. You know, it was bad. It was a dumpster fire. It was a 0 out of 10. I hated this segment. It was fucking terrible. It was funny at first, but then after that, it was stupid. You know, you have Jade Cargill out there looking like she doesn't even know what to say. Like, she's forgetting her lines. I'm like, come on. We're really doing this? To just end it while you can Like you ended The Nightmare Collective They ended it fast They didn't like drag it along it, Well was dragged along A little bit But then after a while They ended They're like okay We gotta end the storyline Nobody's Nobody's invested Nobody's liking it It's getting a lot of dislikes Online We gotta end it So then they did I was like okay Thank god They finally ended it It took them a while But they finally did it But then uh, we saw like Britt Baker, we saw like the video right there, Britt Baker like attacking attacking Thunder Rosa weeks ago, and then Thunder Rosa was speaking, and she said that she talked to Tony Khan, and at Beach Break on February third, we're gonna see Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker DMD, and I can't wait for that match. It was supposed to happen, it was supposed to happen two nights ago, in New Year's special night too, but I guess something happened with Thunder Rosa. I think something with COVID. They never said like i don't know she tested positive for covid or something like that or maybe somebody contracted it that was near her they haven't like come out and say they haven't come out and like said what happened but officially at beach break on february 3rd in a couple weeks we're gonna see thunder rosa versus Britt baker i'm like here we fucking go Britt baker was saying like you know like she said like the tony like you know you said i didn't have to wrestle her and i'm like okay in this fucking segment, please okay enough Like, I love Britt Baker, but this was a terrible segment. Like, Thunder Rosa really saved it by announcing the match for Beach beach Break. But other than that, this was a dumpster fire. It was bad. It was straight-up god-awful. Like, I swear, it was terrible. Never watched that again. Like, please no. Like, if you want to torture somebody... Make them watch that. If you really want to torch somebody where they, where they're crying and everything. Want to make them cry? You know, do that. Have them watch that segment over again. That's what's gonna happen. Over and over and over again. Do it ten times in a row. Just do that. But next we saw a really good tag team match right here between FTR Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler versus Jurassic Express Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. I got to say this right here, though. Oh, excuse me. I forgot to mention this, guys. Fucking Donovan Dickhead, known as T-Bar, in Retribution. He actually blocked me on Twitter because I kept... Anytime he would tweet, I would always pull up the Donovan Dickhead clip Kenny Omega, with Kenny Omega. Anytime he would tweet, I would say that, and he blocked me on Twitter. So I was laughing. I was like, oh, my God. Like This guy is like legit a, a troll on fucking Twitter me like i really like i like i feel like i was in his head so much and like he just blocked me you know because i'm sure he's seen it a couple times and i guess it just must have pissed him off i'm like okay well fuck him i thought it was funny i was like wow this guy's so soft this guy's so soft but he was talking shit about sammy guevara and everything oh my god it was hilarious and then i think it was dax harwood that said something to him on twitter and then donovan dickhead was like oh like, I always, what's your problem with me? I always complimented you after your matches. Oh, my God. I was always nice to you. I'm like, oh, my God. You're such a pussy. I swear to God. That's why you're a glorified or you fucking cunt. Fuck you. Get out of here, Donovan dickhead, you fucking soft little pussy-ass bitch. Fucking smack you in your fucking face, you big goof. Get the fuck out of here. Fucking pussy. Love to see it. You love to see it. ha, 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 ha. Oh, it makes me smile. It really does. It really, really does. But, yeah, back to this tag team match right here. <sighs> back to this tag team match right here. It was great. It was a great tag team match. Between FTR and Jurassic Express, even though I don't like Marco's stunt at all. I'm not, I'm not a fan of him whatsoever. He put on a, a decent match, I'll be honest. He put on some good spots in this match. And FTR was selling his shit. And they are really putting him over, which is what you got to do, obviously. You complain and say... They shouldn't be putting him over but that's what they gotta do. They have to put him over. You gotta show mutual respect. And put your opponent over. That's what you gotta do. That's exactly what they did. But this was a, a really good tag team match. Like Jungle Boy was awesome as always in the match. You know, he did really good. I like how he has like his Tarzan as his theme song now, because Tony Khan bought it. So he's got the rights to it. So I was like, alright, that was really nice right there. That's something. That was really nice. And Jungle Boy put on an amazing performance, you know. And Stunt did okay. FTR, great as always. One of the best tag teams in the world, if not the best. Um, yeah, <clears throat> And towards the end right there, we saw Marco Stunt outside the ring. And Telly got involved and went after him. Hit him against the ring post. And then Jungle Boy got clotheslined by Dash. Sorry, by Cash, really. Excuse me, not Dash. Cash. And then they hit the... What they call it? the big? What they call the finisher now? They, it's like a tribute to Brody Lee now. What they call it? I know, know it's called like the Goodnight Express now. What's it called? I'll look up what it's called now. But they had the finisher on Marco's son. One, two, three. FTR gets the win, and I was like, all right, listen. I, I mean, at first I wanted Jurassic Express to win, but that's when it was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. You know, when it became Marco's son and Jungle Boy, I was like, nah, nah, I don't want them to win. Give the win to FTR, just because people are going to react very badly if Marco winds up getting a win. Even if it's Jungle Boy getting a pin, it's still going to be in the record books that that Marco gets a win right there. Like, no, just that can't happen. It is what it is, though. It is what it is, but I'm happy FTR won. And now we get to our next match right here. For the NWA Women's World Title. We had the NWA Women's Women's World Champion Serena Deeb versus Tay Conti. And let me just say, Tay Conti, like, she is, like, Tay Conti is fucking beautiful as fuck. 10 out of 10 fucking beautiful. Same like Anna J. 10 out of 10 fucking beautiful. And these two women are going to be breakout stars here in AEW. Fucking love them both. It's amazing. I love their partnership together. Hopefully, Tay Conti actually joins like the Dark Order because she's like kind of like an associate to the Dark Order, kind of almost like Hangman Adam Page is, and kind of like how Coco was for a while. So hopefully, she does officially join the Dark Order. So that would be nice. And Tay Conti and Serena Deev—they put on a great match right here. Serena Deev is fucking awesome. She is awesome. Like I said, I really never seen any Serena, any of her like her any of her matches. So she came to AEW. AEW made her AEW debut. I was like, she looks very familiar, like I mentioned. But, you know, as you know, I was like, she looks very familiar. Like, who is she? And I was like, oh, she was Serena in the Strange Society a long time ago with CM Punk, Gallows, and Mercury. I was like, wow. Like, she didn't even look the same at all. I was like, holy shit. But seeing her wrestle, it's like, wow, she's a really good wrestler. And she even said leaving that company right there was the best thing she ever did. <laughs> Because she Russell, like, what, one match there? At least now with AEW, it's a different story, especially NWA as well. But her and uh, Tay Conti, the match started off kind of slow, a little bit. Like, Tay Conti needs a little more work in the ring, just to be honest. She needs, like, a little bit more work in the ring from what I've seen. The match started off a little bit slow. Like, D really carried this match. She really carried the match. Like, Tay Conti, like, she's going to be a star, but she needs a little more work. Kind of like Anna J. Jay. Anna Jay's just really getting started. So she needs a little more work as well. But they're going to be huge breakout stars. They're going to really carry this women's division. Absolutely. A hundred percent. not knocking them at all. I'm just saying what I see right there. You know, and I wish the match would have lasted a little bit longer, to be honest. Because it was a good match. I'm not saying it was bad at all. Absolutely not. It was a great match. Could have lasted a little bit longer. It, you know, could have lasted a little bit longer right here. But like I said, take on She needs a little more work in the ring. That's all I'm going to say. Same with Anna and Jay. am not knocking them at all. I'm just saying facts just stay more not saying facts stay, fact, stay my opinion excuse me jesus christ but yeah like i said it was a good match right here. like serena d was very impressive you know i love the finisher that she did on Tay Conti. it almost looked like it almost looked like a styles clash it really did which was kind of cool i was like wow that was actually really cool it looked like a, it looked like her version of the styles clash so it was actually really cool so serena d retained the nwa women's world championship so i'm like all right cool she's still still. She's still the champion. I kind of want to take Conti to win, but I'm like, nah, they're not gonna put the belt on her. Not yet. She's just really getting started too, to be honest. She's still a little bit green, so she needs a little more work. So eventually her and Anna J are gonna be women's world champions, whether it's NWA or AEW, it's gonna happen sooner than later. I feel like Anna J is gonna win the AEW Women's World title pretty soon. Alright, so now next week for next week's Dynamite, we got. Nyla Rose versus Layla Hurst, John Moxley will be in action. We got Matt Hardy in Private Party versus Matt Sydal in top flight. Like that's gonna be interesting right there. And here's the thing that I like right here, though. Actually, I'm actually a little bit confused by Like It Too. I'm a little bit confused by Like It. Because earlier on in the show we saw Matt Hardy backstage with Private Party and they were talking. And Isaiah Cassie was kinda hyped up and everything, and Matt Hardy was saying, like, let me talk first and everything. we're seeing matt hardy turn into like a little bit of a dick right here we're like they're really like teasing matt hardy's heel turn like he's become a little bit evil right here which is kind of cool you know mark quinn was kind of upset saying like you know why you gotta take 30 percent of our money but then matt hardy was saying like you know i gave you you know third party platforms and everything you guys didn't read anything everything like you know third party platforms like they can do cameo twitch and he won't take the money for that but he's gonna take 30 percent of their regular money like, Matt Hardy was saying, like, well, you didn't pay attention. You didn't read the contracts. He was calling them stupid and telling them to shut up and everything. Like, you listen to me. I'm the only one that cares about you. You know, and Matt Hardy was saying, like, he basically had a change in himself. Like, when he said, like, he, he said he basically everything changed from basically, he said, like, on September 5th, 2020, you know, an all-out last year. That was, you know, what the accident they had with Matt Hardy, with him and Guevara. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. That was bad. I saw it. That was terrible. You know, Matt Hardy said, like, on that day, he realized that nobody cares. You're going to look out for yourself right there. So I kind of like what they're doing with Matt right here. I really feel like, in my opinion, I feel like Jeff Hardy's going to leave WWE pretty soon. And, like, they're waiting. Like, they want to do maybe, like, a heel Hardy Boys in AEW. Now, wouldn't that be something like Jeff Hardy's one last run could be in AEW with him and Matt? And get one more run as the Hardy Boys. See, wouldn't that be really cool, though? Because they've had a run in WWE. They've had a run in TNA. You know, they had a little couple matches in Ring of Honor. Just imagine them having a couple matches in AEW. That would be something right there. That would be really cool. That would be really, really cool, though. I'm telling you, a lot of people would be really hyped to see that. But it's kind of confusing, like, what Matt Hardy's character is right now. It's, like, it's kind of weird, but... We'll see how it all turns out. You know, and we got Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order versus on Helico, Jack Evans, TH doing Chaos Project, uh, Dr. Luther and Serpentico, and that's actually on Brody Lee Jr.'s, you know, negative one. It's his birthday celebration next week, so an early happy birthday to Brody Lee Jr., negative one. So this is gonna be nice right here. This is gonna be a nice little match they're gonna do right here for him. It's gonna be great. And hopefully, hangman Adam Page joins. Probably, probably Brody Lee Jr. is going to ask him to join. I think that's what's going to happen. I believe they're going to do that. Like He's going to grab the mic and he's going to talk to Hangman and try to get him to join trying try to get an answer out of him. So that would be really cool. And also we know that Chris Jericho and MJF are facing Santana Ortiz and Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager in a triple threat tag team match. And whoever wins is the official tag team of the Inner Circle. So we'll see next week's card is kinda it's kinda whatever. It's kinda eh. But you know, obviously. I think the main event should be the Brody Lee Juniors negative one birthday celebration match. That should be the main event. And I think they will do it as a main event. I hope that I really hope they do. But now we get to our main event of the evening for the TNT title. My guy Darby Allen, the TNT champion versus the machine. FTW World Champion Brian Cage. Holy shit, what a main event! This was fucking awesome, and I got a lot to say about some people right here. Not the people involved in this match, the people online, because a lot of people have been saying a lot of stupid shit after this match. This was fucking brutal. Brian Cage looked like an absolute machine in this match, he looked like a fucking monster. He destroyed Darby Allen. He picked him up and tossed him 10 feet in the air and threw him right onto the table. Right on the table by ringside right there. Busted him open. I was like, holy shit. That was fucking insane, the way that he was picking him up and everything. And tossing him around the ring like he's nothing. Like, holy fucking shit. I know there's a 100-pound difference, but... You're picking up another human being like that. It was crazy. Brian Cage is not fucking buried. Because everybody was saying, well, he's buried. Brian Cage is buried now. Oh, my God. No, he is not. Absolutely not. But he destroyed Darby Allen. Darby Allin was very... Very, you know... What else more can you say about him? He was very defiant in this match. He flipped off Cage multiple times, kept telling him to bring it. He kicked out it one a couple times. Like Darby Allen was just not giving in. He was giving Cage a run for his money. A different breed of cat right here in Darby Allen. And Darby Allen actually hit the coffin drop on Brian Cage on steel steps because Brian Cage set up the steel steps to powerbomb Darby. But Darby, you know, drop kicked him onto the steps. And then he hit the coffin drop on him, and I was like, oh my god. Like that was brutal. That was a brutal spot right there. It's not not as brutal as Brian Cage tossing Darby Allen onto a table for God's sakes. That was absolutely brutal. That was a spot of the match. Like that's gonna be on highlights for you know years to come. That was just beautiful. The fact that Darby was still standing after that is just amazing and it's unreal. But then we saw, you know. Team Taz get involved. You know, Taz and... I mean, not Taz. Ricky Starks and Hook. Taz is on commentary and Will Hobbs, or Powerhouse Hobbs, was backstage. And then the lights go out. And right when they come back on, who's behind Ricky Starks? The icon Sting. Like, he taps with the bat. This was fucking funny when I saw in the replay. Sting just taps Ricky Starks on the back with the bat. Like, he just taps him. And then, boom, hits him with the bat twice. And then Darby Allin puts Brian Cage in the crucifix. Pins him one, two, three. And my guy Darby Allen retains the TNT title. And, yeah, we, obviously we know Sting didn't get there that fast. Because this show was taped. It probably took him like a minute to get there. And obviously he didn't get there right away. He didn't run. That didn't happen. Unless he was really hiding somewhere and you just couldn't see him. But, no, that was pretty cool. It was pretty funny. to see on the replay right there when he's like right behind Ricky Starks and he just taps him. And then he hits him twice. So and Ricky Starks really sold that was no, that was a good sell, right there, Ricky Starks. So now you can say Sting finally did something right there. He attacked Ricky Starks. And Starks sold it right there. He sold it. Right there. On The second shot right there. He absolutely sold it. Ricky Starks is gonna be a fucking star. Not just because of that, we already knew that for a fact, but that was a great sell. He he really he really sold it right there. That was good. And everybody's saying, oh, Brian Cage is buried. Brian Cage is buried. No, he's not. He got a lot of his shit in this match. Darby he beat him, with, like, with a crucifix pin. Basically, like, a roll-up. You know what I mean? He got the best of Brian Cage right there. It happens. You know, they basically protected Brian Cage right there. You know, they, they did. It's the first time he's been pinned. That's the first time he's been pinned. And, yeah, because, you know, John Moxley had him in the submission hole back at Fight for the Fall in July you know but um, Taz threw in the towel because you know Moxie was going to tear off Brian Cage repair his repaired bicep right there his his repaired torn bicep so Brian Cage he barely got pinned it was a crucifix pin they couldn't get out of so he's not buried Brian Cage is not buried he put on an amazing performance you could say oh why was Darby kicking out in one though because Darby's very defiant right there that's who his character is he's half dead by the way his character people seem to forget that He says that 50% of him is dead, so he's very defiant is what he is. This guy is, because it's like, you can't say he's buried, because he's jumping off fucking bridges and everything and lighting himself on fucking fire and everything. Of course he's going to kick out in one. He's very defiant. That's who he is. He likes pain. He doesn't care. That's who his character is, so by all means, Brian Cage is not buried. But now people are starting to turn on Darby. Now now you guys are starting to hate on Darby Allen. You guys were loving him. Not too long ago, now you're starting to hate him because he beat Brian Cage. This is why wrestling fans. It's like it's like you can't you can't please everybody. They'll always turn on you. The fans will always turn on you. I'm not like that at all. I'm not gonna turn on Darby at all. Well, you know, eventually he's gonna lose the TNT title. Brian Cage is just not the right guy to do it. I feel like it's gonna be Starks. That's I feel like I feel like that's gonna be the guy to win the TNT title. It's not gonna be Brian Cage. It's gonna be. complaining, like, oh, he's Barry Brian Cage. Just shut the fuck up with that shit. Jesus. Like, enough with that. Like, enough. Straight up, enough. God, but all right, guys. You know, this was a really good show. I enjoyed it. Next week, we'll see how next week turns out. We also know that Cody Rhodes is facing Pretty uh, Pretty Peter Avalon. Like, I don't watch AEW Dark, so... I've only seen him wrestle once on Dynamite. That was, like, when he wrestled... Darby Allen and Sean Spears in a triple threat match on November 13th of twenty of 2019. And fucking, um... The other time he was on Dynamite was when they were doing the whole Inner Circle town hall meeting and he asked to join the Inner Circle and they told him no. So yeah, I, I don't watch AEW Dark. I've never, like, seen any any other of his matches, so... We'll see. And, like, people are getting mad about the match. Like, they like, oh, this match makes no sense, but you're getting to see Peter Avalon on TV. So why not be happy right here? He's on AEW Dark. He's getting a chance on TV. He's getting a chance on national television to make a name for himself against one of the best wrestlers in the world and Cody Rhodes. Obviously, Cody Rhodes is going to win, but Peter Avalon is going to get a lot of shit in this match. It's not going to be a quick match. He's going to get a lot of shit in. And, like, I got a bone to pick with Jim Cornette just a little bit. Like, he was talking about, like, the match that Cody had with Matt Seidel. Like, why does Cody have to always have such, you know, such great matches all the time, in a way? Not, not great matches. Like, Like competitive match, why is every match Cody has to have is competitive? Because he's putting guys over though. That's what it is. I mean, I know he knows the wrestling business a whole lot better than I do, obviously. He's been in it. I'm just making a point like he's putting a guy over. So I mean, yeah, Cody's going to have a really competitive match with Peter Avalon. That's for him to get his shit in right there because he's going to be on national television for the first time in a long time wrestling. So this is a huge opportunity for him. So obviously he's got to get a lot of shit in. It's got to be competitive. Kobe's got to make him look good. He's got to make him look like a million bucks. And that's what's going to happen. But all right, guys. I don't hate Cornette, obviously. I fucking love Cornette. I'm just saying a fact right there. I would tell him that to his face. I wouldn't say it in a nasty way, obviously. I would talk to him like a person. I wouldn't get nasty. I'm just saying. That's just how I feel about it. You know, I have my opinion on that. But he's got his as well. And I love the guy even though i never been in real life. But I love the guy. The guy's fucking awesome. But I hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. It was a great show. Actually, I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit later on because we got some baseball to talk about. So that'll be in a little while, like around 6 o'clock. I'll be talking to you guys then. Talk to you then.